Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture and are currently making their way through the regulatory approval process. However, do we really want to intentionally disperse these modified viruses outside the lab? Is this a forward march of science or a mistake? Join our live event at the 2020 Euroscience Open Forum to explore these questions using recent Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, September 8th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I have a focused show today that I'm really looking forward to going over. Some, a, 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 Well, I'd say more than half of this is probably stuff that the long-term viewers have seen but there's some new additions to this story that I think you're going to be really interested in. But we're, basically, this started with two different things. There was a great video going around from Brett Weinstein discussing uh, in, a, in a very scientific – let me put it this way. We've been discussing the concept of autoimmune self-attack and how these things have been happening in a lot of different ways, proving this to you using peer-reviewed science and showing you what these injections are doing. And yet it's still being dismissed. He's been doing the same thing for a long time, talking about this same point, really kind of trying breaking this down, trying to break this down. But in this clip in particular and his other work, he is very scientifically minded. He's able to present this in a way that is near impossible for the other people who hold themselves in high regard of their scientific understanding to dismiss what he's saying. And I think that's really important to it's a bridge because I may say these things in a simple way. You know, this causes your body to attack itself. Right. But from a scientific person on a video on YouTube, they're pretty much going to go, that's probably fake news because they've been engineered. They've been conditioned rather that way. And we, that, that's something that is not dismissible today. We've seen this very clearly through COVID-19 and continually since, hopefully, but it's been around the entire time. But this video was really important, both because of the way that the person on the episode with him is responding, and it's embarrassing, but the way that he pieces, pieces this information together in an undeniable way, absolute certainty, because he's right, by the way, and he's absolutely he's, – he's very confident in, his, in the, what the science shows and the way people have regarded it. And so we're going to start with this overlap in regard to the autoimmune attack and why that might be happening. And then the larger question is the potential weaponization of this, and why is that happening? Is this the mRNA platform? Is this just the spike protein? Have either of those things been designed to do that? And has that is that even possible, whether or not that is the case with the COVID-19 injection? There's a lot of really important questions there. We're going to go through all of this, and we're going to get into the overlap. And this is the second part of it, that I put together a thread today, kind of cobbling together some of the other work we've done. I've done that in a similar different ways through on the show, but I wanted to kind of string these together based on another important study that is finding, in particular, that the mRNA platform, rather the specific, this is what you would call the platform, generally speaking, the lipid nanoparticle 
delivery system of the mRNA is being shown in this study to either be able to, you know, how it's being programmed to either execute cell death. Even in the study, though, it's framing it as a positive thing. So we're killing cancer cells, right? Or other cells is the point. So it can either be engineered, programmed to kill or to help or anything in between. That's what's called dual-use technology. And now there's going to be plenty of people who are going to act like this is not what this study says. And, and we've been doing this from the beginning of this discussion. And all the things that we hear – and you know me. I'm not going to say something that I think is the case if it's not – if it's a complete guess. This is based on the science and based on what we've seen before. And pretty much all the things that we've done like that so far have later come to pass. And other experts have stepped in and said, yes, that is the case. So what we're talking about here is the obvious example of dual-use technology. And so we need to ask. As we get further in this, both, both looking at the buildup to where we are now and where the technology is going next, whether or not this can be programmed, and we know that it can, to hurt people, and whether or not it's been used that way, or whether or not that's the plan of what this is all about, this large experiment, or a lot of different questions. But it's really important to ask these questions, and we're going to go over the stuff, the, the current setting of where this stuff is. That's why I opened with that video from 2020, discussing how these were already marching through regulation. That, that You can't hear them talking about self-spreading vaccines human to human without consent and tell you that they are going through regulatory processes and not, and then pretend like that's a fake news story that's not happening yet. It's real time. In fact, it's already done based on the evidence. But we're going to go through this and as well as the nanotechnology side of it, where it's already going and where I think it's going to go. And this is what we've already talked about, the aerosolized, self-spreading mRNA technology that they've already worked on that apparently is already viable. Now, I'm not saying I can prove that's what is in the world and happening in regard to the COVID injections, but I don't know why we wouldn't ask that question. So let's jump into this. I'm going to start with a letter that somebody sent to me today. No other preamble. I just want to get right into this because this is the only thing we're going to focus on today. I put off a lot of other stuff we're going to get to. You might have seen we posted a, uh, a post on the website. Hopefully, you're all following the website more than anything else, especially since we're getting knocked off everything, all Discord recently. On the 10th at 8 p.m. Central Time, we're going to be doing a watch along with Corbett and Brock like we did with the uh, Secret Al-Qaeda documentary. We're going to watch their documentary, COVID-911. And it's going to be, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. One, I greatly respect both of them, but we're going to have a good time breaking this down and including a lot of the information. And this is the exact point. It's about the step into the biosecurity state. Now, that's not, that doesn't necessarily mean the nanotech side of it, but it does, though. That's the overlap. That's the, that's the further direction this all seems to go in. But using the idea of pandemics to keep you under control, think parasite stress theory that Derek has written about. But we're going to start with this in general and, and this this one discussion I want to be the focus of today. So we'll come back to that stuff tomorrow and I'll shout more about that out. But I really, this this is, it's interesting how perfectly this actually fit in with what we're going to talk about today. So just to understand where, why I do this guys and why you are, I mean, you're why I do this. This whole thing is important to me because of you, the people. And I'm sure you guys know that, but there's plenty of people that try to frame us as doing something, you know, whatever as not what we are. You can feel free to question that. You should. Don't blindly trust what I say, but realize that based on our track record, what we've done and where we are and how long we've been doing this, it's very easy to see that I've consistently maintained that kind of integrity because I believe in it. And this is what I get from people all the time. And I wanted you to see this because this really touched me today. Dear Ryan, I want to thank you for what you do. 
You may not realize how deeply your work and bravery impacts others. I got the shot. I had my minor child vaccinated. My husband fought me, and COVID nearly destroyed my marriage and family. My husband is a saint for forgiving me and staying with me. I eventually woke up, thanks to you and Whitney. When I realized that I was wrong, I felt so guilty. I felt guilty for years. It's been really hard to forgive myself the way my husband has. Listening to your podcast validated what it was, that it wasn't a choice. The jab was a threat. I wanted my child back in school. I wanted the pandemic to end. I wanted to live my life the way I always had. I was told time and again that if we didn't vaccinate ourselves, we'd never be able to rejoin society. The thought was too much to bear. I didn't know until it was too late that it was a lie and, I was, and, and a threat. I have also developed an autoimmune disorder called PMLE. I'm allergic to the sun and can't go outside without breaking into hives. You validated that I was duped. And for the first time in a long time, I don't hate myself as much as I did. I can, I can start to forgive myself and move on. Thank you. Please accept my donation, which I made on the T-Lab website. We are all better because of you, Whitney, and the work you do. With gratitude, signed, stuck in New York, was the, also the secondary part she wrote on there. Re- requested that I did not show her identity, and I usually don't anyway. But, you know, there's so many thoughts on this. I mean, I could talk about this one letter for the next hour, guys. I mean, there's so many things in this. The fact that people, you know, one, obviously, that stands out to me. This is exactly why we need to be, there's a, there's a whole weaponization of all this. Of course, can you guess what I'll say from the partisan side of all of it? Yes, always. That is driving people to hate people like this, to focus on them and say, you did the wrong thing and you put your child into, you know, whatever. Until we can step back as an objective person and realize most of these people, one, didn't even know what they were doing was dangerous, and two, were, well, and two, were threatened into doing so, told they would never go back to life that they had before, even though we're all seeing that was a lie too, or that just weren't able to officially make that happen. And But the, really, the point being that they were stressed, told repeatedly, there's nothing wrong with this. You are safe. They're crazy. You're being lied to. In fact, if you don't do this, your child's going to die. And if you don't have the information in your hands, what else are people left with? So just remember that there's so many positions like this where people were I mean, they didn't know any better and just went along and then realized they were wrong and they're now trying to rectify that. People that didn't want to do it but got forced into it and still didn't know what was going on. My point is that these people, do you realize how hard this was for someone like this, even how hard it was for her to write this and say, I made a mistake. I, I, I feel guilty about this. Like that is the most courageous thing I've ever seen. This woman is taking responsibility for what happened, even though it wasn't even her fault. That is what courage looks like right there. And this is what we should strive to be like. And I just want people to recognize that, that there's so many good people out there that just got played. Most of us, guys. Make sure you support people like this, even, you know, especially as they're trying to make it right and especially trying, trying to inform others after they've gone through this. I mean, again, there's just so many points to get into. The autoimmune part of it is what I think relates to today. Is that so many people are now stuck in this position where they don't even know what to do next because they can't fight their way back even though they did what they were told because they're now in some kind of spiral of medical treatment that they can't get away from. It's very sad. Now, we just left off on the 6th with science continues to prove COVID jabs are destroying the population and the PCR, PIC, which is pneumonia, pneumonia, influenza, COVID combination, that illusion is back. And all of this is swinging back up, even though it's this clear. 
with all the evidence and everything people are showing and all of the testimony and all of the side effects and all of the bears and all, and, you know, removing the vaccine side effects reporting. It's just crazy. So I don't really know how many people are going to take the bait, but nonetheless, they're still driving it back up. Enough fear and, and things will happen like they did last time. Hopefully not, but that's what they think. So I want to get into first, just a couple of quick overlapping points to where what's where's where we currently are, why this is dangerous, and how this is being driven into potentially the next stage of what I see as this massive experiment. Now, remember, Retsef Levy is pointing out, as we all should know, CDC is continuing, despite all of the evidence, the, the British Medical Journal peer-reviewed study finding that there are net harm, all of the information showing that this has never been worse than the flu, in fact, is dramatically less for 94% of the population, and the rest are only worse because, or if they might be, because they're older, have multiple comorbidities. And the fact that, in general, this was the Pfizer studies themselves show that their own injections were 36% more dangerous than doing nothing. That's not even the best way to say that, but the bottom line was you're more at risk from taking the injection according to their own studies. And nonetheless, they're saying, yes, children six months to 48 months should still be getting these injections, despite the fact that they are the least risk of anybody on this con- in this conversation, assuming this is even actually happening, speaking, speaking to Denny Rencourt and others who will tell you that you didn't need anything to make this illusion happen. That's where the pneumonia, influenza, COVID-19 combination comes in and calling vaccine side effects COVID-19 and blaming other illnesses as COVID-19 and on and on and on. We also now have people like Mandy Cohen, who I, I don't know, don't need to be mean, but I just don't frankly think this person is even making decisions, but she, saying, should I get my flu shot and my COVID vaccine at the same time? We are right back here, guys. I really just had to make this point. And I even responded underneath her and just said, and and can you get, by the way, she says, yes, I'll play it right now. Actually, let's just do that first because it's ridiculous. Should I get my flu shot and my new COVID vaccine at the same time? A really good question. The answer is yes, you can. It's safe to get both your flu shot and the updated COVID booster at the same time. Now, here's what's really interesting. First of all, there's no way she knows that because that study hasn't been done. Easy to prove. Probably one of the easiest things to prove on this conversation. I'll show it to you right now. But they don't know that. That hasn't been done. So she's guessing at best. But here's the best part. Is she talking about the bivalent shot? No. Well, clearly people listening are going to think updated shot. That means the one they're working on. You mean the one that hasn't even come out yet? You mean the one that hasn't even been approved or authorized yet? Explain for me, Mandy, how you could possibly know if they still haven't even done the combination testing on the last ones, not the first one, not the bivalent, not anyone before that. And yet she's still going to sit here and tell you that they know. I mean, she's probably just being told that the answer is, yes, we know. That's that's why I think that's how these people either that or she is just happily smiling to you with a lie. Here's the point posted in 2022 and still the same irresponsible if not willfully dangerous statement that it was then. You know as well as I, or maybe you don't, yikes, that there were never, these were never tested alongside each other, still aren't, and you ignore the obvious, obvious parental deaths. Now here, and that's prenatal, excuse me, prenatal. The point is that you can see the prenatal deaths and all sorts of other reproductive infertility issues, I mean, across the board. They've even been grudgingly admitted to. 
Here's a document, by the way, if you want to look directly at it. This has been updated as of June 2023. Now, here's the point. You won't find whatever the, any, this or the risk management pages or the FDA pages for any of the new shots because they have not even come out yet. The last thing you will find, actually, it's funny. I've got it right here. On the page for COVID vaccines is from June, and that's the updated COVID vaccines for use in the beginning in fall. So that's when they said, yes, we agree for the XBB15 composition will have no effect on what's currently happening, but they're lying to you about that. In fact, it'll have a terrible effect like the rest of them did, which is the truth. But that's the point, though. It's not here yet, and that's that's there's no data for it. I mean, I'm sure they've got data they can see, but what they don't have is any kind of test comparing to the flu shot because it hasn't been done. And this is from 2023 in regard to every other shot before it. And guess what? It still says COVID-19 vaccines will be used in individuals who may also receive other vaccines. Studies to determine if their co-administration with other vaccines may affect the efficacy or safety of either have not been performed. Wow. Yeah, but you guys are probably going, yep, we've heard that 47 times from you, Ryan. Exactly. Let people see this because she is lying. Those are the kind of obvious instant points that really wake people up. And I just pointed out that I've been saying this for how long? Here's my post from when I was using After Hours Live. Shout out to Brian Richmond. This is the other account went back when Twitter was still blocking my other account. I just simply said, how can the COVID jab, bivalent and original, be given by Walgreens and and CBC alongside the flu shot when their documents say they don't know if that's safe? So the point is, let's just say some magical thing we don't see, that they did it behind the scenes and we don't know that, which I can prove to you is not true. We don't really need to really... we can prove that they did it right here. These are the shots we're pointing at in regard to all of the ones they have listed off here. Original BNT162B2, the BA1, and the BA45 overlap, the bivalent. And the point is that it still says that right now that they don't know if it's safe. And yet here is Walgreens, CBS, all of them saying, yep, yeah, do them alongside each other. You know why? Because the CDC says it's safe. And here's just the same post from 2022 still saying that they never did it. They didn't. And that's the FDA version saying there's no information. You know why? Because we didn't do the the studies. I mean, it's just that frustrating that it can be that obvious. And of course, I'll include this one too. Oh, well, also Steve Kirch includes this as she's just doubling, tripling, quadrupling down. It's that time of the year. I got my flu shot. Get yours. On a side note, they didn't include it. But this image behind her says, turn the flu from wild to mild. And you get that point? Yep, because... Also, now flu shots are not about transmission anymore. They're also about reducing symptoms. Weird how the paradigm just shifted. Before, it was all about to protect the from the flu. Stop transmission. We're all going to stop the flu. It'll save your life. Now it is just it'll lessen the symptoms. You know why? Because that's always what it's been. We're breaking down the illusion of what this stuff has always been. That doesn't mean it can't be better. I don't know that. But the intent is what I'm talking about is not there. These people don't care about you. And Steve Kirsch points out the flu shot is unsafe. This is why they will never publish the Medicare data on deaths post-flu shot. Exactly. Just like they will never do the real placebo testing, just like they will never do vax versus unvax tests, like James Lyons-Weiler has and proved to you, or Brian Hooker and proved to you that it's staggeringly obvious that people with no injections versus kids that get all of them are wildly more healthy. That's an tr- easy thing to prove based on these studies, but people just dismiss them because vaccinology, Scientology, or scientism, excuse me, it's a religion today for a lot of people. He says it doesn't prevent the flu or keep you from dying from the flu. It is, there's no benefit. There is a benefit, or if there is a benefit, why aren't they showing us the data? And, the re- and realizing that they guess every year based on sampling. That's why some years it's basically, it's, I mean, 
I'm, it's all estimates from what they're telling us anyway, so I'm not even going to get into that. But the point is, these things are not what we're being told. And I also include the same kind of general post that I make about pregnancy, pregnancy, which is what they're saying here, that yes, you can get it while you're pregnant, but it's the same point. It still, as of 2023, very clearly says they never did those studies. It's right here. In pregnancy. The safety profile is not fully known because they were excluded from the test. I mean, it's the same thing, and they never have gone back and done it. And the point is they're using observational data and saying, look, we can tell it's safe because look at how unhealthy they are. Well, you guys are hiding all the ones that get hurt. All the VAERS reports you're ignoring. I mean, it's very, very simple. And that's why we also point to things like, uh, the, oh, I, I've jumped, jump ahead really quickly. This here, where you can see in Scotland, you know, the place that, choo- that chose openly to ignore the, pre- the neonatal deaths because, well, it'll cause vaccine hesitancy. Literally what they said. But they, their point was it's not a problem because we didn't look at it. Well, gee, we can sure as hell see a pretty big problem right now with Scotland's excess death that's skyrocketing through the roof. You know, but so, but so is everywhere else we're looking at, right? Here's the United States, their life expectancy completely tanking because, you know, in the United States where we are, the most vaccinated country in the world. But so, you know, Pfizer says their updated shot, the one Mandy says is okay to get next to the flu shot, even though that has never been done, which this hasn't even come out yet, is generating strong reactions versus new variants in mice. Great. So is it five mice this time? The point is, it says down here on Wednesday, they said their updated shot is expected to be used this fall, which is what they're all telling us. It's like they're psychic, right? They can just know that that's going to be the time when they're going to need. No, this is a game. It's being generated like the flu shot, like we already know from their documents before, combining pneumonia, scaring people about injections, a strong antibody response against the highly mutated BA286. Now, wait a minute. How does that make sense? They're telling you, hey, we got a strong antibody response against this. Or at least that's what Reuters is saying Pfizer reported. But here's the catch. We already know this is designed to be against XBB15 or 1.155. Maybe missing a one in there. Okay, so are we we pretending that they just radically shifted this to only BA286 mid? No, that's not what happened. So. What this is, remember, this is the mRNA shot that delivers the mRNA instructions to your body to produce the antibody to what it's tailored toward, which is XBB, right? So what they're really saying is it had a response and produced antibodies for XBB, and we're pretending or telling you that the antibody response was effective against BA26. Not that it made antibodies for BA286. You get my difference there? That's an important differentiation that they're blending together. Because the same thing they said about the rest of them before was that, hey, we saw an antibody response, but it didn't work, though. It actually hurt people. So just because they see a response does not mean they know that it's actually going to work, just like they admitted right here. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously, you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant. But as we know, that's a long question. We need a quick answer. <laughs> I would say there is no established correlate of protection. Be here, make sure you hear that. And that's not different today. They know that they have a response, but they have no correlation to what that response means in the, in the sense of how much it protects you. It's the same right now. Of course, people who don't want to hear that are going to go, that can't be true. <laughs> well, that's your choice to ignore facts because you don't like what they show you, but the reality is right in front of you. So what they're telling you here is that it had a response. But there, people will read this, and, and see, here's the thing. Even the expert doctors out there that they go on these shows, because they're going to read it from Reuters and say, well, this is the fact. 
It had the response against this. And then suddenly the news reports, the facts show, and it doesn't, though. And then we're left back here screaming about the obvious reality, and it just drifts away because you don't know science or whatever the game becomes. And you have experts that truly believe they're, we're wrong because they trust what the experts they think are experts showed them. You see my point? Now, this will come up. I'm sure, I guarantee it. This is tailored towards the one thing, not the A286. And I'm willing to bet you that it does not have even a beneficial response to any of this stuff anyway, especially when combined with all the obvious side effects. But here's a great Brownstone article that you should read. Get a new shot? Well, the evidence suggests otherwise. Exactly. And a lot of the stuff we've already discussed, the DNA contamination, I, I'm really becoming a big fan of Brownstone Institute. You should check it out. But I'm not going to go through it for sake of time today. I want to get past this and get to the crux of the point today. We will come back to that in general. But here's the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. Here's their great, great check in case, in case you're worried about who they really are. Former CDC Walensky director, CDC director Walensky acted against the CDC's own vaccine advisory panel, which we've told you then, to recommend the booster shots for healthy, low-risk Americans. So my point is they did it then. The media machine covered it up. We tried to tell you, but it got through to some people. Now they're doing it again. So just realize that as they're pushing this out again, for no, for the, for the la- with no evidence that it's going to help anybody, especially compared with the fact that we know the platform's already been a failure, as even Fauci admitted, they're just going to go, hey, it works because we say so. And the media will parrot that without any due diligence and shout you down as a conspiracy theorist if you say otherwise. Let's not forget, we already have multiple peer-reviewed studies. Here's just one from April 2023 that quite literally show you, and yes, it's about specifically the bivalent, but the point is the same for all these. We've seen it across the board, that the analysis was adjusted for the pandemic phase, uh, which says, oh wait, that's not right. It's right here. I highlighted the wrong spot. It's right here. It's saying, oh wait, did I grab the wrong one? Son of a gun. Make sure, let me make sure I didn't miss it. Hold on. Oh, no, it is right here. I, I had the, the wrong, I had the sort of the wrong spot. The analysis was adjusted for the pandemic phase when the last prior code. Of, no, that, I did have the wrong spot. So this is the wrong one. No, it is right here. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess I can't read today. The risk of COVID-19 also increased with time since the most recent prior COVID episode and with the number of vaccine doses previously received. Apologize for the delay there. I just got mixed up. The point is very clear that what they're telling you is that risk was increased the more number of vaccines you got. And that's backed up by numerous peer-reviewed studies. And this is, yes, only the bivalent, but the point is it's seen across the board. Again, collapsing life expectancy, exploding excess death, all of it baffled. We're baffled. We don't want to point out what the problem is. And then here is Japan finally admitting local government association. Doctors expressed their views on side of the vaccines and the effects, saying the most people are vaccinated, the more people are vaccinated, the more infected they become. And this is where we get into the bigger point about all of this. This is the reality. The more you get, the worse it becomes. And that's what pretty much everybody's been saying that has read the science, that cares about what it actually shows, that it just it's a compounding problem, right? And this gets into the, the IgG4 overlap as well. The video beneath this is also very important that we've covered. But I want to get into the bigger picture here. Now, first, let's start with Brett Weinstein's video. To kind of show you the broad general point here, like this right here is important to get in front of any average person out there just to understand. I mean, obviously, they can dismiss what Brett says because it's, there's no source material here, but I will give you some receipts to, to discuss. But that this is just the general point that these things are desi- either 
I, I don't know how it's not it's I don't know how you can't see that this shows a design in my opinion, but you could simply argue that this is a massive failure and that somehow everybody missed that. But I agree with Brett in this case that I don't even know how that's possible, but that ultimately that these things, the way they're made, is that's why it's hurting you, that it's turning the cells into something that produces the spike protein and then your body attacks it, the cells, not the spike protein. And that's what we've been saying from the beginning. And, and he, may, he makes this very, very clear. So before we even get into what that leads to, recognize these things are dangerous and nobody should be taking them. Not the ones before, not the ones now, not the ones later. Now, even by the way, Mandy Cohen is even suggesting that you should right now take the old version first before like we're just taking steps back in time. I don't even know how that's possible, seeing as how they all just admitted they're not working. But listen to Brett. He'll tell you exactly why they're hurting people. RFK Jr. is that some of the stuff he says is true, like. Big Pharma captured the regulatory state and sold a lie about opioids, that they're not addictive. That's true. They did do that. How did they do that? They just bought off the politicians and the regulators. Yep. <laughs> really? <laughs> Unbelievable. And it's like big tobacco. You know, well, the, the, the problem is... It's amazing people can accept that, but then somehow be completely unwilling to accept that it could happen again <laughs> or, or in any other way. That's just willful ignorance. People don't want to accept that. Is that the more you dig into the extraordinary things that RFK Jr. says that can't possibly be true, the more you find that actually what he says is at least based on a rational evaluation of a chain of evidence that uh, people are largely unaware of. Right. And I don't know if he's implying there that there are some things that he said that aren't true. I, my, I'll give you my personal opinion, despite my concerns about other things he said or stances he has. I don't think I've ever heard RFK say something that I thought was wrong or that I think was inaccurate even. That's just my opinion. But I, I, I mean, you, he, he does not say things just off the cuff that don't have any backing. I, that's just from what I've seen or what he's done. And I think Brett agrees with that, but it's, I can't tell from this short clip. I, yeah, I, and so I, it depends. He makes, he makes so many claims. I mean, Paul Offit's been posting a lot of yeah. of uh, RFK Jr.'s claims, and then like, he talks about this study that was done in 1967. Here, here's the actual study. Here's the quotes from it. Here's the findings, and this is why RFK Jr. is wrong about this particular thing. Here, go. And then you know, it's like he invites him. Yeah, but Paul Offit, please Offit, respond. Paul Offit just tried to distract us into believing that the problems with the mRNA vaccines had to do with the choice of spike protein as the uh, the antigenic target. Right. And this is where the Cadillac discussion comes in, right, where he goes, no, it was just a problem with the vaccine science. We're going to get it right next time. No. Right. This is where we talked about the platform being the problem or part of the problem. So no matter what they add or change or alter next with their new genetic sequence and pump out the new thing in six weeks, like with no safety testing, which is the plan. It's the mRNA platform, the lipid nanoparticle that that is what is largely causing or at least a large part of the problem, according to peer reviewed science. And that's what he's talking about. Um, I don't know why he did that. I do know that he is not insulated from perverse incentives surrounding vaccines in fact it appears that he has a conflict of interest which he, might be. he did address the conflict of interest thing. he made no money because he works for that company whatever organization he works well, for but, but they, he, he doesn't get any of that no no there are ways. you know i love how this guy so do you think that guy checked that do you think he looked it up and made sure paul wasn't lying i bet you in this guy's mind that's not possible or that he doesn't want to even address the possibility that Paul may just be lying. See, it's always off the table. No, how dare you suggest? Well, he's already been caught lying in the past. Like, the point is that these people just don't, they take the answer that makes their world comfortable the way they like it, as most people do. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where his conflicts of interest begin and end. What I do know is that the portrayal, which to me is absurd, that that the spike protein is the source of all the harm. I think the spike protein is the source of some harm. But the idea that the spike protein is the fundamental problem with the mRNA vaccines would rescue that platform from a much more fundamental problem, which will accompany any vaccine you attempt to create on it. The fact that there is no targeting of those mRNAs so that they can land in any cell means that every time you attempt to vaccinate somebody with that technology, you are inviting an autoimmune attack on the tissue that happens to pick up the lipid nanoparticle. So to me, Paul Offit is no authority I'm ready to trust because where I can check his work, it appears to proceed from a conflict of interest, not from a rational evaluation of the evidence mm. of where the harm comes from. I don't from. know, Brett. I mean, just everything you just rattled off, I have no idea what you're even talking about. It's way out of my field. But here, you know, so, I'd, be, I'd be happy. Right, yeah. I'll send you the peer-reviewed study, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's the science, science, uh, uh, is it .org, science.org study? I'll show you in a second. You know, think of his response, though, was so dishonest. What do you, what do you mean? You're just going to dismiss it, at least engage with it as if, you know, like, well, assuming what you said is correct, then we'll talk like. But no, because that's something they want to hide from, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, though. The way he responded to that, it speaks volumes to me. Happy to explain it. It's very well, simple, actually. But there are tons of people that this is what they do. They study vaccines and so and public health and so right, on. But, and, you know, but, how do they not know this? But think about that answer. Yeah, but that's what they do. They just look at vaccines and stuff. You tell them, how could they not know? I don't know, man. <laughs> what do you mean? You're just going to leave it with an un... How, how could they not know? That is the kind of idea of saying everybody can't be lying. Well, yeah, first of all, yes, they can. But secondly, it's never that simple. That's the, one of these classic conspiracy ideas that, well, too many people are no, and how could they all keep it secret? Well, you know... I don't have the answers to those kind of questions, but clearly it's happening, and you can prove that it has happened just like that countless times. The idea for him to just to go like, well, experts said, so I, well, I don't know. Like, that's not really what he said, but that's the kind of general point there, that you're just deferring to the fact that they know better. That is the way they train these people, and they get the, then people like that. And I'm not saying he's not an intelligent person. I'm not, I don't even know who he is. I'm not saying he's not an expert in his own right. But that is how smart people get played by manipulators. They typically use hubris and their, you know, their own perception of how intelligent they are based on who they listen to. That's the question, Michael. I mean, and honestly, this this is this is the reason for us to to meet, and it's probably the reason for us to move away from UAPs, where we agree, and it evidences the fact that we all share the same values with respect to getting this stuff right and exerting skepticism correctly. Yeah. But how did so many people get the mRNA vaccine platform wrong? I can't answer that question, but I can tell you that they did because the way how, how they do you know they did. For the well, first of all, Fauci admitted so in a Cell.com article, but this guy is only listening to corporate media, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm assuming, <laughs> right? Again, my opinion, I just, you know, either you're ignoring these things or you didn't see them, right? Following reason. If you look at the description of how the vaccine is supposed to work, the description given by those who designed the vaccine itself, it leads you directly to the question of, won't the cells that transcribe this mRNA message, won't they inherently be attacked by T cells whose 
function is to destroy virally infected cells. In other words, what causes cells in the human body to be attacked by T cells is the evidence that they have been captured by a virus, and that evidence comes in the following form. They are displaying antigens that you yourself make, and they are displaying foreign antigens that you do not make. Any cell that does that is presumed by the immune system to be virally infected, and it is attacked by the immune system because killing it off is how the body overcomes viral disease. So if the vaccine, the so-called vaccine, stayed in your deltoid when they injected it, then the answer is, well, the cells that will be attacked by your immune system are in your arm, and you can afford to lose them. That's a really interesting point right there. So, again, it, we don't know if that's the logic. Maybe it, you, know, you could argue they just didn't know that this would happen. I just I don't believe that. But it's more likely, if you want a middle ground, that they hid that from you because they thought, ah, well, you know, maybe you'll lose some shoulder muscle, but they won't even care as long as they're right. And, and so you, but his point is with the science, if you actually read it instead of just follow along with what you're told Pfizer said it was. You can see that that's likely an obvious – that's why we talked about the antibody-dependent enhancement, molecular mimicry, pathogenic priming, all these things in the beginning. James Lyons-Weiler called this out. That is a general – I think specifically antibody-dependent enhancement, or I, yeah, it depends on which way you look at how, how this goes, whether you take the shot and it happens or you get sick afterward and it happens. But the point is that this is what we're talking about, right, that your body is attacking itself. Right? We could also get into immune suppression, which is also a part of the other side of this coin, but at the end of the day – this is what is causing the most problems, in my opinion. And this is, you could, it's, as he's saying, verifiable in the information that they put out. Once we knew that the vaccine circulated around the body, it should be clear to anyone who understands how immunity develops that this is going to cause an autoimmune disorder in any tissue that transcribes it. And if that tissue happens to be your heart, it's going to be a devastating problem. So... How Paul Offit doesn't know that? I think Paul Offit has to know that. How did the other oh, people who signed off on this but, not know but, it? But, but, I don't know. He's not here. I don't. I don't even know what you're talking about. So I can, you know, you you float this hypothesis. Jeremy and I are we don't. This is not what we do. So I don't even know how to. You know, how is it possible? Not just Paul Offit. You know, this it's like thousands of scientists would have okay. to be either just right. delusional or bought off or perfect. Perfect. So here's what we've yeah. got. You can't evaluate what I said, nor should you be able to. You're not a biologist. Here's what you can know, though. I have just staked my reputation on a claim about how the immune system works and how the vaccine, as described by those who designed it, should work. If I'm wrong, you, Michael Shermer, are sitting here, and there should be a flood of biologists ready to explain what I've got wrong. And when that flood of biologists doesn't show up, you should ask yourself the question, why is that? If did Paul Offit is right you, and Brett Weinstein is wrong, why is nobody pointing out the reason? Well, uh, did you invite them on your show to talk about it? I mean, I, it doesn't what? matter. You, you can invite them. I'll invite them. Show me who knows the answer to the question. Okay. And I, I'll be happy to talk. <laughs> Maybe I'll host an episode of the Michael Shermer Great. show with you and whoever. I'll no, I, 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 I would love that. What's kind of funny is the way they respond to basically the same type of argument back at them is kind of telling, right? Where they're going like, well, thousands of doctors could be wrong. How is that even possible? Right. And that's, and so then he says, well, you know, that you, where are all the biologists that would, that would step up and say something? And they go, well, it's like, well, you, if you're going to put forward that type of argument and then dismiss it back at you, it's, it shows you, you know, you get the point. But overall, I think that's a fair point to make, right? At the, at the end point where like going forward, sort of like with the, placebo-blinded studies, right? Well, he's been floating these points, RFK in, in particular. 
where you you look if there if it was that easy to say here he, here's the study he's wrong it would have happened and my my point is it's not that that's what i'm relying on we actually looked and we've proven to you more than once that he's right that they use all sorts of i mean right now for example pfizer is in some kind of focus about how they got caught for using moderna injections during their trials opposed to placebo you can i i talked about this in the beginning when there was meningitis vaccines used or the fact that they don't they unblind them there's a thousand ways this happens but it's very true and it's easy to prove. So in this case, what he's saying is that it, it the, and by the way, you already know this, right? The evidence is already there. There's already peer-reviewed science that has come out showing that this is, at the very least, a logical conclusion. So to act like, well, no, we, how do we know that? That sounds crazy. It's just, that's just an easy dismissive point that's lazy logic, right? So I think this is a really important clip. So, and then, and then what, what's up, Doc points out, laziness is why so many experts got it wrong regarding the mod RNA, which is what it is. No competent physician would administer the jab if they independently researched. And I agree with that. After about 15 hours of research, she says her husband, PhD, knew the jab was dangerous. And really, and I don't, I'm not going to say that anybody who read it would automatically know that, but the logic is there. And most people I know that truly went through it, like I did myself, you go, wow, this is clearly not what they're saying. All the way back in 2020, if you remember that, the Forbes article we talked about where they were going, this isn't going to stop transmission. And I was like, wow, that's a big claim. And I read the actual data and I said, wow, they're right. It's like, and then you have Tal Zaks in 2021 from Moderna that comes up and says, no, we, they would have paid us more. We would have found out. And then suddenly it breaks in 2022. It's like, it's so silly. It was right there on the surface the whole time. We were screaming about it from 2020 forward. Even Forbes wrote about it. But somehow in European Union, it breaks. They never knew. You know, it's, it's, it just shows you such an obvious controlled flow of information. So he also points out, fascinating, this person asked ChatGPT about the central piece of his claim, vaccines, autoimmunity. The AI had no trouble. Human cells expressing foreign protein are targeted by the immune system. Why don't the folks at Pfizer see the obvious connection to myocarditis? Trust me, Brett, they do, and I think he knows that too. But the point is that they, they know. The ChatGPT is like, yeah, that, that's what happened. So basically, ChatGPT just exposes the reality that they're all pretending isn't even real. It's not hard to see is the point. And Retsef Levy also points out that this published study about the IgG4 antibody issue causes increased risk of severe illness and autoimmune diseases. So there's multiple angles to this. It, it begins to seem almost impossible that this wasn't designed this way. And we've already talked about this at length. The idea that it's treating it as if it was a sort of an allergy situation. So it ends up this nonstop long term illness that culminates in something very serious. And that causes all sorts of problems. So this brings us to the one, the, one of the things that caught my attention today, which is something we've already been talking about. The idea that this can be used more than one way, you know, or two ways, if you want to make it simple, called dual-use technology. And we'll get to this in a second. I think I put it right here. Where was it? We'll come back to it. The dual-use, new aerosolized mRNA delivering nanoparticles can vaccinate or they can eliminate. We'll come to that in a minute. Right? This is what we're talking about. So uh, Gutam here posts this article we'll read in a second, saying a team of researchers has used lipid nanoparticles loaded with mRNA. That is the mRNA platform. The star, and he's saying, to make sure people understand, the starring technology in some COVID vaccines to non-invasively and selectively trigger cell death in living mice's blood stem cells. Then, of course, they go the other way with it, and they used them to remove a sickle cell gene. So the point is very simple. This is what dual-use technology looks like. It can be a weapon or it can help. It all depends on how the mRNA is programmed 
which again is actually in these cases today, mod RNA, N1-methyl-pseudouridine modified RNA. That's what it is. And we've been saying that since what, 2021, I think? This is the mRNA platform tech. Do you trust Pfizer or the FDA enough to know that they didn't program it in a way that might hurt you or for an experiment or that somebody else might have gotten control of it or the military since it's an obvious military Department of Defense operation? I don't trust them. I don't know why anybody would. Of course, the idea is that you're supposed to. Therefore, it's a conspiracy theory to argue that any of these things could be hurting people the way that we're literally watching them do. Now, that could, again, just be a byproduct of incompetence or malfeasance. Either way, it's, we have to be aware how dangerous these things are. Remember this point about this, though, because that's very important. This is, again, it's sort of being broken again today. The Epoch Times keeps putting these articles out, which I'm glad. Get it out there about the pseudouridine and the mod RNA point of it. But just remember, this has been public information for a long time. Now, the first point is about this article. August 4th. It's amazing these things don't get more coverage. Like, And this is just the article that talked about it. There's an actual study in here that we could read as well. A team of researchers has used lipid nanoparticles, as we just read, loaded with mRNA. It can kill cells or it can help, right? So HSC in this stands for uh, hepatopotic stem cells. How do you say that? Hepatopotic, topotic, you know, liver, I believe, stem cells. Hematopotic, let me look it up real quick, make sure. Another form for hemopoiesis. I guarantee I'm saying that incorrectly. In any case, stem cells. So it says they knew, and the, the main point here is not about even the stem cells. Despite the, the stem cells are important, obviously, but ultimately about the fact that it could be programmed to whatever they want. The new advance involves a single injection and uses antibodies to target the payload to its intended destination. So it's pretty simple. And it makes its cellular or genetic modifications directly in the body without the need for cell extraction. Right. So, yeah, totally not gene therapy. Right. The researchers developed two payloads, one that edited a mutation for sickle cell disease and another that selectively killed. Hepatopoetic. That doesn't sound right. Someone in the chat saying that. (laughs) Give me the phonic spelling. If the therapies can be successfully adapted to people, which, by the way, it already has, guys, we're watching that play out. This approach will actually make gene therapy affordable. Right. Totally gene therapy affordable, except these injections doing the exact same thing are completely not gene therapy. So stop being a conspiracy theorist, right? They loaded the antibody-coded nanoparticles with the with an mRNA encoded with an mRNA encoding a protein that induces cell death. You see my point? So it just really depends on what they you could in program these. Well, think about it like this: whether we're talking about something specifically aligned with with a or even COVID-19 or something else. It could just be designed to produce a, a protein from something like Ebola or anything else. Like it just really anything, guys, is the point. So you could create something that then triggers a disease that then can't be traced back to wherever it came from. This is what they've been working on stuff like this as long as I've been alive. Now it says, although the nanoparticles killed the stem cells, the researchers discovered some off-target effects. So they added... Tiny bits of non-coding RNA that kept the protein from killing other cells. That's when we got success. Well, here's an interesting thought, right? Maybe that is something that they are now discovering they should have done with these injections. In another experiment, the researchers stuffed their nanoparticles with the mRNA sequence that produces a gene editor when it enters the cell. You see my point? This is exactly what we're dealing with right now. 
And this is exactly what the technology is doing. They're turning, they're, they are, this gene editing, this is gene therapy. Your body is being trained to create something it's not made to create. The researchers tested the gene editing nanoparticles. So death, or really just put it this way, they could be programmed to do whatever they want in the sense of, you know, within the realm of biology. Also, I'll include this for our post for our substack about the difference between mRNA and mod RNA. It's an important discussion that we shouldn't miss because the reality is the N1 methyl pseudouridine modified RNA is the reason this is in your body for seemingly ever. Like it just continued. That's why they did this too, because when they didn't, the mRNA broke down before it could deliver the instructions in past efforts. So they added this to make it last longer. And then they act like, well, mRNA breaks down super fast. That's why it's safe. But it's not mRNA. It's modified RNA, which is why it basically seems to stick around and why it's found in people's organs after they die. Easy to prove. Again, here's, here's the Epoch Times. COVID vaccines and boosters were never made with mRNA. So good. Get it out there. Let people see it. This needs to be understood. Now, this takes us to the next part. Now, here's the thread, by the way. I really hope people will share. I think this is important. Kind of just the way that I kind of juxtapose all this together. So I said first, obviously, that this is dual-use technology, right? Now, and this is why we have peer-reviewed science finding that it is the very mRNA platform itself causing myocarditis, or rather specifically autoimmune issues, myocarditis being one way that is materializing, or however the right word there would be, not that would be, yeah, you get my point, how it develops. The lipid nanoparticle mod RNA delivery system like discussed above. Now, the question is, was it programmed to do this or was this just a mistake, right? Seeing as how we are literally showing and discussing the fact that these things are programmable and that is what they're telling you. That's why they're right now programming it with a different sequence to deal with the new thing in front of you, right? But was this not exactly, well, at least possibly what it was already designed to do? So before we go even into that question, make sure you understand the research around this is current showing you that this is dangerous cytokinopathy with aberrant cytotoxic lymphocytes. Now, we talked about this with, oh, I, I didn't include it. It's actually Retsef Levy from MIT telling you excellent science immunology study is very bad news for the entire platform, showing that the vaccine-induced myocarditis is likely driven by the platform itself, not the different variants of the protein, which is what they're trying desperately to get people to think right now. To realize that that, I don't know how that's by an accident. Right. And right now they're doing absolutely nothing to change this. They're simply telling you, don't worry, we'll pump out a new protein and everything will be OK, even though there's literally no reason to think that based on what they've done so far. So I just think I don't think it's I think it's impossible to see that as anything other than a choice, in my opinion. Now, then after that, remember that Ralph Barrett from North Carolina University, Chapel Hill, was funded by the U.S. government to literally create a myocarditis inducing coronavirus, which is just ridiculous to me is this the mod rna platform is this mod rna platform the end result of this weaponizing research right so in the 90s which i'll show you he goes into trying to make this happen did this culminate in this kind of myocarditis platform design it's a very possible but good question i think and it's a very serious possibility so here's our discussion from 2022 u.s funded research on coronavirus induced myocarditis here is one of the many examples that we've talked about. Now, here you can see this is just Ralph Barrick, his uh, curriculum. This, the date on this, well, more, more in particular, the important part is the date on the studies we're talking about. 
myocarditis, right there. This is there's many of them, and they're mo- mostly in the late 80s, early 90s. Coronavirus induced myocarditis in rabbits. It's right there. It's so funny how many times I'll show like just the article on a show, and even in the comments, see people be like, "That's fake news." <laughs> it's like just all the source material always in the shows that I do. It's right there. And you'll see multiple studies like this. Coronavirus-induced myocarditis and dilated cardiomyopathy. And these are just the source notes in general. Now, the point was, in general, that this was, you know, upward millions of dollars in multiple grants, specifically from the NIH, NIAID, with Ralph Barrick, who is directly tied to the general COVID-19 agenda. So first of all, just understand that. Secondly, oh, and this, I put this out back on February. Oh, this was February 3rd, but this was, when did we put this out? Oh, that's right. This was on August 2022. I think I just circled back and put that out. But I said, don't miss the now public fact that the U.S. government, specifically NIH, NIAID, funded this whole, this work, coronavirus-induced myocarditis. There are numerous. I think this one. Oh, that's right. I, I just I, I realized I was going to make this, this part short in general. I tried to decide how long I want to go on all this. There's so many ways you can go on these discussions. But OK, so the point is very clearly working on this research. Now, here's one that I didn't want people to miss. That's a little bit of an extension of this that overlaps with the next part. But it's also just a really big thing that is beginning to become more and more obvious. We'll go right here to or on the main page itself. National Institute of Health. And NIAID specifically, that's Fauci's department, human coronaviruses as multi-gene mucosal vaccine vectors for HIV. This project will provide the first critical evaluation of the potential use of common cold human coronaviruses as live mucosal vaccine vectors for HIV. So let's not forget the the HIV insertion in the whole in the, the, the primary point that we're talking about around COVID-19, but also the idea that what they're talking about is using coronaviruses as a whether it's a, you could see it as an aerosolized version or then also a self-spreading concept, both of which they've worked on and are working on. So the point is you're looking at them discuss using coronaviruses as a vector for delivering what they say is a vaccine for HIV. Now, based on what we're discussing today, could that not just be the reason people got HIV? Yes, very, very possible. And the point is that or or overlap with bigger conversations, but mucosal. So it's interesting how today they pretend like that doesn't matter, even though Dr. Bhakti exposed that in the beginning of all this. He proved to you. Everybody knows this. You cannot vaccine it can't vaccinate against respiratory viruses in the shoulder muscle probably why the flu shot doesn't work think about that and now fauci admits yep that's not working we need to move on so that's why we're now talking about as we'll get to in a second or maybe right after this i forget the idea of now in a second the idea of the mucosal flu shot or rather uh, excuse me the the uh nasal spray flu shot that they're now using i just find this to be incredible the idea that they could use a coronavirus as a vector for a vaccination, and then we don't ask whether that could literally be what we're dealing with right now as we see the, the, the spike protein shedding, the self-spreading conversation, it's pretty crazy to me. Now, as Theresa M. Long, Theresa M. Long points out, MD, when a cardiologist says to you, quote, I totally agree with you, it's myocarditis, but I'll never put that in the chart because I don't want to lose my job, which we've heard many times. Never in my career, she says, have I ever heard, if I diagnose him with strep, I will lose my job. But this is where we're at. So again, this 
forced effort really early to hide this part of it adds credence to the idea that this was something that either got out of hand or is deliberately being used. Now, we should also ask whether this was used against people like the United States by other groups, Israel, for example, or other places that bled else, you know, hurt other locations. There's a lot of evidence to possibilities there, but that's not for today's show. So next part. After he very clearly did work on coronavirus-induced myocarditis, his U.S. government-funded efforts to do so, to weaponize a coronavirus to induce myocarditis, interestingly, exactly what seems to be happening today, he went on to attempt to aerosolize it. Now, I, now there's two parts to this. Because you could it's, you, being aerosolized is not the same thing as being self-spreading. But we can prove both are happening. Both are being worked on. So right here, we're going to show you first that this was very clearly, this, this worked on coronavirus-induced myocarditis was aerosolized and tested under the diffuse program with bats in China, using all these same people. And this is the article from 2023, February. First, here is The Intercept. He wrote about this as well. The proposal rejected by U.S. military research agency DARPA describes the insertion of human-specific cleavage sites into SARS-related bat coronaviruses, right? So as we literally have an example of them doing that at, in a general overlapping time frame and research level from the same people working on coronavirus-induced myocarditis, we know that they were literally, uh, this, is, this was written in 2021. This is a grant proposal written by the U.S.-based nonprofit, the EcoHealth Alliance. So again, another central part to the big agenda. You've got Ralph Barrick, in North Ch- Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and then you got Equal e- Health Alliance with Ralph uh, with uh, with uh, Peter Daszak. These were central parts in the larger picture of what led to COVID nineteen. So they're also involved with this exact part of it. And then it says, or uh, then it says they when they and submitted a two thousand eighteen in two thousand eighteen this this proposal to DARPA and provides evidence that the group was working or at least planning to work on several risky areas of research. Among the and, and this is denied by DARPA if you can believe that. Among the specific tasks the group described in its proposal which was rejected by DARPA was the creation of a full-length infectious clone of bat SARS-related coronaviruses and the insertion of a tiny part of a known virus known as protoliac cleavage site into bat coronaviruses. Of particular interest was a type of cleavage site able to interact with furin, an enzyme expressed in human cells. That's the whole gain-of-function aspect of this. Now, this is, they also list off the diffuse contract right here, which we'll get into next. And you can see, specifically listed in this document, and I'll show you, this is how the search shows up. That it talks about the, how this can be stable outside the cold chain or it can be aerosolized or delivered in spray gels. Now, here's the main document. This is, this is, a, this is a document, a, a U.S. government document. Or, excuse me, presented to the U.S. government from a proposal coming from Equal Alliance and the rest of the group involved. Diffuse the threat of bat-borne coronaviruses, right? And it's always how they, just like the self-spreading concept, it frames itself as animal to animal as a way to stop all of this. But right beneath it all is an obvious, as we recently showed you, Johns Hopkins put that out in 2020, talking about how human to human self-spreading vaccines were the next step. Very interesting. So aerosolized is discussed in their open proposal. Chief Nerd. Oh, and by the way, thank you to Chief Nerd for this, this video. He was the one that put this out. 
right here for the uh, the Brett Weinstein video. You can see his name down there. Chief Nerd put this back in, out in 2023 in February. The 2018 Project Diffuse proposal submitted to DARPA by EcoHealth Alliance and China's Wuhan Institute of Virology included plans for aerosolized viruses and further work on published and unpublished COVID strains. I don't know how this is not the most obvious thing in the world. So you've got every single central part of this now, including the Wuhan Institute of Virology, all of them working on exactly this, myocarditis-inducing coronaviruses and aerosolizing it for use. Plans to inoculate wild bats with aerosolized vaccines. It's right there. And this is, this is in the Project Diffuse document itself or the larger proposal. Let's look for these really quickly. This is where it says the grant proposal includes some elements of research that are already public via scientific papers. And this is where we get into the points I I keep showing you about Robert Langer and Charles Lieber and the work they've been working on building up to this, as well as others. And as well as other elements, it continues, that have never been made public. These include, these are the non-public parts, vaccinating wild bats using aerosolized viruses. Now, right there. That's, that, that is an aerosolized vaccine is what they're trying to say. Now, does that then spread? And that, was that part of it? Because what we're seeing, and I do, this is where we get into the overlap here. We've already seen, and remember, the Pfizer shot originally came out under the listing, and I believe this was on the uh, New England Journal of Medicine, one of the earliest posts on what it was, under self-amplifying vaccine, which means the spike protein is being continually synthesized. So I think that's what this ultimately was. But first here, just saying aerosolized viruses and further work on published and unpublished COVID-19 strains. That's very telling. That would fill the extent gaps in our understanding of the origins of SARS-CoV-2. Very interesting. Oh, there's, whole, there's more in here too. Yeah, and this is the they plan, Equal Alliance plan to inoculate wild bats with aerosolized vaccines. The proposal for wide-scale inoculation of wild bats using aerosolized inoculum delivery has never been publicly released or open to the wider scientific community for discussion as to potential risk association with this plan. Why not? See, that's, they, these people do not concern themselves with the risks or what people think about it because typically these things are done behind the scenes. Very concerning to me. <clears throat> Now, clandestine, which was also tagged in uh, Chief Nerd's tweet, says, yeah, you know, that not, that's not entirely out of the realm of possibility, talking about this perhaps they, they spread disease drip, pity drip, like that. I don't know. That's like, you know, the same thing we're talking about. He says, uh, Russian military intelligence. Now, again, take this for what you will. R- Russia can lie about things just like anybody can, but this is, there's evidence of these things happening. And in the past, Russia, like in Syria, for example, has come out and said, they're going to do these things. And then they say fake news. And then it happens just like they say. Now you could argue they made that happen, but the evidence continues to show throughout history. We've shown you things like with Crimea, that they just lie about the reality of how it went down. And you can prove the opposite, not because Russia says, but because that's actually what happened. Same with Donbass for that matter, different conversation. The point is they're alleging at the time that the U.S. built unmanned drones with 30, I think, liter aerosol canisters attached to them in order to remotely spray airborne pathogens via water particles. Exactly how SARS-CoV-2 spreads, or that's, you know, how you could think how you want about that, which is really interesting. So let's think about this for the beginnings of all this. Could it not be possible that this was a, 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 an attack gone wrong or an agenda that literally blew up in their face as they were getting ready to do something near the time of the China World Games? I mean, these are all very possible, possible things. He goes on to say, China's site that they found these aerosol camp drones at military installations in Ukraine. 
suggesting that they were used to spread pathogens, which in theory is genius because you, can, you can't tell how, where it came from. That's the whole point. Theoretically speaking, a long-distance reconnaissance balloon, interesting, like the, like the whole balloon issue, could be equipped with aerosol canisters to spray water particles into the air. Was that what was happening? Was that an effort to continue the COVID agenda? I mean, or was that an attack and they didn't want to tell us because it was using their same technology or none of that? We should be, we should be asking these questions. That's interesting though, right? That's the whole balloon issue from the United States. Well, in general, let's not forget that here, this is 2020 from the Telegraph. Could self-spreading vaccines stop a coronavirus pandemic? Now, this one in particular goes into the animal side of it, but the reality is this whole conversation has been floated and discussed long before this and got really big again right before, and now it's being floated again as the next step, quietly, though. Now, this is Dimitri Yiannopoulos points this out. Airborne mRNA lipid nanoparticle delivery just discovered, in quotes, because he knows we've talked about this, as, in, as if 2020 biopsyop wasn't exactly that. Now, I'm not saying I could prove that's exactly what it was, but I do believe that's part of what we're talking about here. So the point is, Facts Matter puts this clip out. We'll play for you next. And I think it was, yeah, this one right here. Oops, this one right here. Could airborne delivery of mRNA vaccines be coming shortly? Now, my point is, I think this has already happened. I think we've already been there, and I think this has already been, I think we're being justified into rationalizing this as the next step, even though I believe this has already happened. Let's be clear on the idea that self-spreading concepts are real and have been studied and been tested a long time ago. I've proven this five times over. We already know in in a lot of different angles that what they've worked on in regard to the the smart dust angle has been around for a decade or more that we wouldn't even know it was executed. And we'll get into this in a second. We also know the virus-sized transistor conversation in 2011. So any of these things could be what we're dealing with and we could just be lied to about it. They maybe don't know. Or on and on and on, right? So here's the clip. Thank you, Dimitri, for sharing this. Now, remember, this is something that is not, even the, even the idea that this is a new thing they just discovered, that's not even real in my opinion. They've already been working on this for decades, right? But here's the kind of frontward, more mainstream perception of where this goes or going. Guys, if there was some way that the government could disseminate the vaccine quietly, in a way that people wouldn't even realize that they were getting vaccinated. That way, you can achieve your goal with minimal resistance. Well, scientists over at Yale University have just taken a giant step towards making such a thing reality. They were able to vaccinate these mice using two doses administered through the nose. And we showed you this when this came out. This was August. Of a vaccine which contained nanoparticles carrying the mRNA COVID vaccine. These mice were vaccinated without a single injection. And according to the researchers, this experiment showed that this new method of delivery was quote-unquote safe and effective. Now, already I can hear the quote-unquote fact-checkers dutifully typing away their critique of this episode by saying that the government has absolutely no plans to vaccinate the population through the air. However, there are two very important things worth mentioning. And the point is, regardless of whether they have, I mean, and that's not even actually true, to be quite honest. They have open discussions about this, like I showed you that clip in the beginning. You don't have a big symposium about whether we should use them if they have no plans to use them. You don't have Johns Hopkins documents coming out saying we're using this soon without having plans to use them. I mean, that's the obvious reality, right? But what's also important to remember, guys, is this is not even remotely something that is just happening, right? It's not this, this exact conversation we've talked to you about. New nanoparticles can perform gene editing in the lungs. March. 
right? The, our conversation came out May 24th on this exact topic. And it, well, the, the August document was an evolution of the same conversation. So dual use. New aerosolized mRNA delivering nanoparticles. So the point there is that doesn't even mean vaccine. Or I mean, oh, let's be, let's be clear, neither is the thing they're giving people now. But what it means is it can deliver mRNA. So it is basically an empty vessel, and they can insert the programming for whatever they want within the limitations of what this technology can accomplish. So they can make it a protein that causes you to get some kind of other illness. It can make it, like we just showed you, something that can eliminate certain cells that you shouldn't have or they'll help you the point is this could be a good thing or a bad thing quite frankly i don't trust any of these people and i don't think anybody does especially today so this if you want to read through this again we went over this in depth on this very show but this is a very real concept and in this conversation they make it clear that this can be used it's in in a good way or a bad way but gene editing by breathing it in that can affect your entire body now, again, to the flu shot we were just mentioning, Robert Minotti points out antibody-dependent enhancement. How long have we been talking about this? An urgent health update concerning the potential catastrophic reaction that could be caused by giving COVID-vaccinated children the live flu nasal spray. Now, this doesn't even have to be necessarily connected with the larger potential conversation here, other than the fact that it's a aerosolized vaccine. That's the whole point. But just realizing that we, the whole concept of, as they say, you give them the wrong antibodies, as Dr. Cole said, well, you're going to see a terrible thing happening immunologically down the road. And the point is that you're giving people these injections, children that don't need them, and their body are continually making these spike proteins. Then you give them a live nasal flu spray, and based on the, the evidence he's discussing here, you're going to cause a negative reaction. Your body will begin to attack itself based on the fact that it's defending what it thinks is the, bad, the problem, when really it's hurting yourself. It says those who have received a coronavirus vaccines could be at risk of much more severe reaction to live viruses than unvaccinated counterparts. Now, this is one we just read for you, but there's been numerous studies talking about this, right? The idea that you just are, you have more, a height, it's a combination of both your immune system being hurt, but also just being, causing the autoimmune issues due to the thing we just discussed. Both of those are happening because realize that just the immune system being basically destroyed a lot of these people are being blown over by a stiff wind. You get a minor cold and they're in the hospital because their body is, just, is broken down. But then on top of that, the injection is causing your body to attack itself. Very different thing. Both of those are causing serious problems. So you can read the rest of this for yourself. The point is that obviously, well, here's the quote from Oxford. The nasal flu spray should not be given to anyone who is severely immunodeficient so their immune system cannot control viral infections in the normal way. Well, that's what these things are doing to everybody that take them or most of the ones we can see. Very, very clear. And as I said, of course it's connected to the brand new safe and effective nasal, live live nasal flu shot, post-COVID injection. People, please actually read the science as Robin is, as all of us are, and realize how provably deadly these COVID shots are and begin questioning others as well. The intent behind these are not good. And he points out, our friends at RAND say, quote, developing oral or inhalational vaccines can help reduce vaccine hesitancy. See my point? And enabling vaccines to be delivered orally or via inhalation can only make people more receptive to being vaccinated. Sure, why not? Or it can do a whole host of other things, too. And this is the scary part about this. Now, I actually forgot. I was going to go into this deeper, and I forgot to dive into this. But this is an important one that I'm going to try to pull off for the next show as well. But this... I think that uh, I, was try- I, I wanted to keep going back to this just so you guys saw the, the, the 
evolution of this. Oh, so this is the next one. So hold on. We're not even there yet. So let's not forget, in the context of the self-spreading vaccine, Omicron is such an obvious part of all of this that we just can't dismiss. As I, t- I called in this episode, Omicron, the self-spreading vaccine. Like, that, since this, everything has changed, even according to them. And this came from Botswana on four diplomats that with diplomatic immunity that they refused to acknowledge or tell anybody who they were. And they all tell us it came from South Africa, even though we can prove it started with Botswana. And what that ultimately should mean to people is that somebody seems to have brought this with them from somewhere else into Botswana, yet nothing happened before that, right? And it says the new virus was detected on four foreign nationals who entered Botswana on the 7th. That's not where this starts when you listen to the news. They tell you South Africa a week later. And the point is, this is where it was. And Botswana later went on to say, we're not going to tell anybody who they were or where they came from. That's really concerning. And ever since then, well, everything has seemingly shifted. I think this is what I think this was an effort to try to seed one of the earlier efforts on this exact conversation. Maybe to help, maybe to test something else. I don't know. I would argue to help the people that they think were the ones that followed direction, right? Not the people that didn't take it. But we also have the idea, the, the recent study that came out saying that Omicron wasn't natural, adding even more evidence to that point. This is from April, August 15th, 2023. And it says, we concluded that the formation of, of a part of Omicron isolates BA1, BA11, and BA2 was not the product of genome evolution, as is commonly observed in nature, such as the accumulation of mutations and, hemo- and uh, homologous recombinations. Furthermore, the study of 35 recombinant isolates of Omicron variants BA1, BA2 confirmed, get this, Omicron variants were already present in 2020. Well, look at that. The analysis showed that Omicron variants were formed by an entirely new mechanism that cannot be explained by previous biology, that they're not natural. That seems pretty compelling. And then and then continuing forward from the weaponized myocarditis inducing problem to self-spreading aerosolization of it. This overlaps with the work of Charles Lieber and Robert Langer. This is where we get into the newer steps. Even though they've been involved with the technology long before it's, this, whole, this whole narrative started, they're the ones pioneering this next step, I would argue, by and large. Langer, literally later going on to become the co-founder of none other than Moderna, right? So his work overlapping with all of this, and then is actually the guy who co-founds the company that ends up making this, and get they've never made a product successfully before this COVID injection. All of this is just like a made-for-TV movie where the lipid nanoparticle delivery system we're discussing actually went into effect as the COVID injection, right? So if we're discussing the platform, that seems to be the evolution of the myocarditis-inducing problem, the platform later becomes what they're making with these injections, and then literally the thing he designed and Charles Lieber used to make the virus-sized transistor becomes the basis for the injection they're using. Certainly could all be coincidence. It's not what I think. Bob Langer. The coronavirus common denominator tied to Charles Lieber. Now, here is what just one of the many things we discussed. 2015, major step for implantable drug delivery device. Isn't that interesting? Which is now like one of the things they're now going to next, arguably, even though they're way past that. So one of the questions should be whether this is something that will come out next. But as well as the fact is that what is already happening is this is a nanotechnology version of something that you inject and then it becomes something you can update. Right. That's what George Webb discussed, the idea of the kind of oil platform. The next thing coming will be the drill. Just an analogy. Right. So the idea being is something's already inside of you and all they need to do is enter the next thing that causes something else to happen. It's very simple. 
I don't know if that's happening, but the fact that there's all this overlap is almost impossible to ignore, if you ask me. Here's one of the articles from 2023, the Charles Lieber connection from nanotechnology to COVID-19 to technocracy. And this is where the overlap comes in with this very important conversation from Harvard Magazine, 2011, virus-sized transistors, which very tellingly, and I mean literally like last month, they randomly went back for the, with a 2011 article and changed the title. Everything else is exactly the same. It looks a little different. The, t- the words are exactly the same. But they changed the title from virus-sized transistors to Charles Lieber's nanoscale transistors. Isn't that interesting? Why would you, 20-plus years later, go back and alter this article? You can decide for yourself. I think it's because that is pretty telling. That's what I think. And I think this is completely tied up with what we're dealing with today. And as we've shown many times, the important part of this is the use of the lipid nanoparticle to make this work. He reports when he tried to do what he was doing, It killed the cell pretty quickly. But when he coated the hairpin that he was trying to insert into the cell with a nano, with a fatty lipid layer, the lipid nanoparticle, well, the device was easily pulled into the cell via membrane fusion. That's what we're talking about. A process related to the, to the, when one cells, you, the, so the one that cells use to engulf viruses and bacteria. And he makes a clear point to say, because it in, this is an innovation that's important because it indicates that when a man-made structure is as small as bacteria or a virus, it can behave the way biology does. So as I always say, could this not just be what we're dealing with? Could this not be what is being deployed within these things? Is it not part of some larger experiment? Why is this being quietly pushed aside? Why did Charles Lieber get arrested and shuttled away right in the beginning of all this, but yet never really went to jail and got a slap on the wrist and has never stopped on the same research, even while he was supposedly in prison, which I can prove? From 2020 to 2023, he never stopped working on research with Chinese researchers, literally in the Wuhan Institute, yet he's supposed to be arrested for treason? Either they're that incompetent or that was not true. You guys can decide for yourself. So I think this is really important because this is part of the major story, at the very least, where this is going next. When we get into the idea of this kind of reality, where we're talking about either nanotechnology kind of conversations smart dust conversations or just the idea of nano size, you know, whether we're talking about injections with, I guess the main point being whether it's nanotechnology in the sense of like nanobots or simply nanotechnology in the size of virus sized concepts that are being used in programming your body or both for that matter. Or maybe the main point really is that once you get down to this size, it doesn't matter anymore. That's kind of the thing he's talking about here. So to end here, Here's some just a couple of things we're seeing today, as in September 1st. Hey, nanobots can now enter your brain cells to spy on what they're doing. Cool. Does anybody want that? I don't know. I don't even know why anybody anywhere would want that except for authoritarian technocrats. But hey, surprise, we're cheering this scary thing. The point is, guys, this is not today. That's already been going on. Charles Lieber's work is about the implant brain biosurveillance, along with Charles Lieber's overlaps in many ways. But Lieber has been really, well, actually, no, that's not true. Both of them, in different ways, have been working on biosurveillance. And and that's, if you go all the way back to this, that's one of the ways things are talking about. Inserting the hairpin nanowire. And And he talks about it down here in regard to, you know, the same things Elon Musk is working on. Hybrid biological digital computation, deep brain simulation for Parkinson's, helping prosthetics, people with prosthetics, right? It's the same stuff, guys. So all of this overlaps. 
And the point is that they're already doing this. And he even argues in a study from a couple years ago, as well as one from 2023, that they're able to essentially do this and with ocular implants and be able to real time surveil what you're seeing. Not like with video, but like well, it turns in video, but with signals, which you can then literally tell what someone's doing. I and mean, we already talked about this scary stuff from the World Economic Forum where they're telling you they can use 3D mapping with your Wi-Fi router in your house, which, by the way, I've been telling people for a decade, which is very real. You know, it's like this is all this. This is very alarming type of stuff. And I think this is part of what was always been going. And maybe that's what's happening. Maybe all this is about biosurveillance and we don't even realize. Here's one from uh, 2023. Scientists can now put nanoscale tattoos into individual cells in your body. So in that case, think about markers, things that you have for the rest of your life that will mark you based on what something they want to keep track of. Maybe that's already happened. The fact that we don't know about any of this stuff is terrifying. And let's not forget that Klaus Schwab himself in 2016 gave you the prediction that right about this time, we'd be getting into the realm of implants, brain implants, and the way, and that, which, by the way, is right now being discussed. If not, again, something that might have already happened. And I just throw that out there because we don't know. If, we got, if we're realizing all these lies about what was in these things, why don't we ask further questions about what might still be happening or what already happened and we're still being lied to about it? So here's Klaus Schwab. Now, this is a it's um, subtitled, so I'm going to read it for you. Be- he says, today, at the, end with the, at, the, at the end of this, we are talking about chips and that can be implanted. When will that be, he says? Certainly, dans les Certainly in the next 10 years. Think about that. So right now, it's, it's 2016. So he's talking about 2026. 20, it's 2023. This is not a guess, guys. These people are out. This stuff's been outlined. And I, that's not my opinion. You can look at the actual World Economic Doc, Forum documents. UN documents, WHO documents, where they outlined this. You can show documents from the EU that predicted the passports exactly on the year, five years before they were ever even being discussed or publicly being discussed. Next day. And at first, we'll implant them in our clothes. When we just talk about the smart clothes, we're talking about AM wake up. It's already happening. Wearables or or the wearable health discussions that they're pushing on everybody. Et, and then we can imagine that our, we will implant them in our brains, in our skin, he says. Après, on pourrait s'imaginer qu'on les implante euh, dans nos cerveaux ou dans nos topos. Et à la fin... And in the end, maybe there will be a direct communication between our brain and the digital world. That is the convergence they talk about. Peut-être il y a une communication directe entre notre cerveau Et, uh, la, le monde digital. Que... He says, what we see is a kind of fusion, this is what he always talks about, of the physical, digital, biological world. Nous voyons, c'est une sorte de fusion du monde physique, digital et biologique. Now, is that what you want? I don't. He's not asking anybody. He's not even an elected official. Doesn't matter, though. It's already happening. He says, we, we, we'll, we, will, we call someone. We don't even have a reflex to take a device. It's done naturally in your brain, he's saying. On appelle quelqu'un, on n'a même plus le réflexe de devoir prendre un appareil, ça se fait naturellement. Hein. La, la, la technique continue le corps. Oui, vous, yes. vous parlez. Vous I dites. want to be connected with anybody right now, like in your brain. You just speak out loud and I want to call mom. Je veux maintenant um, uh, être connecté avec n'importe qui. Hein? Et d'abord... At first you have the personalized bots, 
And I saw that Mr. Zuckerberg predicted that at the end of the year, that was 2017 or 16, that he will have his robot. Vous avez les robots personnalisés et j'ai vu que Mr. Zuckerberg a prédit que à la fin de l'année, il va avoir son robot, son butler so you get the point. It is, it is, he says, it is a servant that with artificial intelligence learns, and that's not our only assistant for manual work. Terrifying. But that can really be an intellectual partner view. Now, the point, guys, is implantables. On your clothes, eventually our brains and our skin. Now, the reason this doesn't get as much attention is because it's in French. You can see he has a very different way he talks about these things when he's in English because he knows the different audiences. It's my opinion, but I think that's pretty clear. So the idea is that this is something that they're all telling you is coming. So why wouldn't we be already watching for the nanotechnology overlap, right? The nanobot overlap. Well, here's an important article that I think you should pay attention to. This is 2021. The government documents from 2020 to 2002 reveal a 20-year plan to alter evolution with nanotechnology. Here's the document. By the way, which you can't even really find. I have this downloaded on the website because the original link is no longer there. You can find it in some places like this, but it's been scrubbed. June 2002. Converging Technologies for Improving Human Performance. Nanobiology, information, cognitive. It's pretty terrifying. And this is what they're talking about. You can see all these convert, they call the converging concepts, it's what they're discussing. Now, you can read this entire thing. There's a lot of really crazy stuff in here. Just to get, just to finish with a very specific point, guys. This is even on Wikipedia, talking about this exact document Converging Technologies for Improving Human Performance, a 2002 report. Ongoing work on planned applications of human enhancement technologies in the military and in rationalizing of the human-machine interface in industrial settings. Quotations. Understanding of the mind and brain will enable the creation of a new species of intelligent machine systems that can generate economic wealth on a scale hitherto unimaginable. Within a half century, intelligent machines might create a wealth needed to provide food, clothing, shelter, education, medical care, and a clean environment, and physical and financial security for the entire world population. Under somebody's control, surely. Intelligent machines may eventually generate the production capacity to support universal prosperity, universal basic income, and financial security for all human beings. It's all the same talking points, guys. Thus, the engineering of the mind is much more than a pursuit of scientific curiosity. It is more even than a monumental technological challenge. It is an opportunity to eradicate poverty, which, by the way, they could already do right now if they just wanted to. They want to do it their way, though, and usher in the golden age for all of humankind. Technology will increasingly dominate the world as population, resource exploitation, resource exploitation, and potential social conflict grow as they make those happen. Therefore, the success of the converging technologies priority area is essential to the future of humanity. Of course, they always frame their agendas as necessary to save the world, like with climate change lies. But just to cut through all the BS, and you can read the document, please do for yourself, Here is a report from the Sydney Morning Herald in 2002. A draft government report says we will alter human evolution within 20 years by combining what we know of nanotechnology, biotechnology, IT, and cognitive sciences. Well, we're right there, guys. This is 2023. We're in that year where they predicted this would be happening. 
Now, here's the crazier thing to ask. Maybe it already happened. Maybe it's already underway. That was this last year with this execution of these injections. If they predicted that they would do this, and they've been pretty spot on with these year predictions so far, not in the sense of like, we're going to die in 20 years, because I mean, like in the sense of where they predict their technological advancements, we're right on spot. We're right on time. So is it not possible this was already the deployment and what they did was use this nanotechnology and now it's fear, it's just exploding in that direction to change the direction of our evolution, which is literally what we see happening based on the understanding of what these things are doing. I mean, even if you just look at the way they've already kind of had a divergent, like people that have taken these injections are on a very different path than those that didn't. That alone is exactly what we just talked about. But I don't think that was the plan. I think this is something much bigger. So hopefully this outlines some of this stuff in a way that is easy to understand, in ways that it gives people source material to discuss this. But yet again, I, do, I think it is very, very obvious. All of it is in front of us, and it's really about whether you care, whether you want to see it or not. Because people that don't want to see this, trust me, they will dismiss anything, which is typically how this works. So get this out there for people that need to see it. Continue spreading the word. And as always, guys, we need your support. Right? There's a lot of ways you can do so. We have our different platforms, our different, our sub stack, our, you know, really the donation portal right on the website is the absolute best way to go. And I think that's the way, you know, it is, and as I've said the other day, actually, that's just what I'm going to keep saying in general, guys, is if you really think about it, all we really need is $1 a person, right? And not, and look, you guys, really what I want more than anything, and I mean this, share the content, take the work and get it in front of people. That's like, if you have to choose, that's what I'd rather you do than anything else. But if you have the ability, $1 a month recurring is the kind of thing we're talking about. Go on the website, sign up for $1 a month recurring. So you don't have to ever think about it again. $1 is never going to hurt anybody. And the point is that if we get enough people, just $1 a month, I mean, you know, we get 10,000 views on these videos. If we get 10% of that, right, that's $1,000 a month. Boom, just like that with $1 a person. And you have no idea what that can do. We can, I mean, this, that's what we've been doing the entire time. We're donation-based, right? So we can make that go longer than you could possibly realize, and we're doing that now. So your support will make this thing continue, guys, because we aren't, we got a lot of things coming, and we got a lot of big plans, and we need your support to make it happen. So thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. Decarbonization of the economy. Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So, individual carbon footprint tracker. Hmm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. I mean, my top recommendation, honestly, would be just to have a carbon tax. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to, but in a crisis you see we have no chance, so, 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 so let's do it. Surveillance, people could look back in a hundred years 
and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Natural selection is replaced by intelligent design. The era of inorganic life is now beginning. In the coming decades, AI and biotechnology will give us godlike abilities to re-engineer life, and even to create completely new life forms. We are about to enter a new era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. Our intelligent design. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. Are you vaccinated, if I yes. may ask? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm very, very pro-vaccination. Yeah. Uh, the science is unequivocal. The difference of this first uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed. Yeah. And of yeah. course, this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers. Uh, is it imaginable? Just think of sensors planted into our brains. Basically implanted in your skull. So, uh, <laughs> but it would be flush with your skull. So you basically uh, take out a chunk of skull, replace, put the neuralink device in there. Um, you you put the the electrode. You insert the electrode threads very carefully into the the brain to build basically an interface to the brain. Yeah. Electrode to neuron interface at a micro level. Okay, what is it? Like, I'm gonna have like a plug in my head that's gonna fit into a hard drive? Like, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah, a chip and a bunch of tiny wires. This, this would be implanted surgically. And it would do what? Could you input? Could you download Jim? Mm-hmm, yes. What, what, what <laughs> the long-term aspiration of Neuralink was, would be to achieve a symbiosis with uh, artificial intelligence. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. One of the things that I think is so essential to free and open societies is freedom of thought. Um, and up until now, the conversation we've been having is around freedom of speech. Once we can access people's thoughts and access people's emotions, um, we have to create a space that enables people to think freely. What the first industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, 
our ritual and our biological identities. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces. Also be clear, the future is not just happening. The future is built by us.